Hello there and welcome back in to the Direct Selling Accelerator podcast. I'm your host, Sam Hind, and today I've got the honor and privilege of introducing you to a very special human being, a wonderful and dear friend and beautiful woman who lives to serve. Today, I'm going to be introducing you to a wonderful friend of mine, Ingrid Lockwood, who's going to be talking to us all about limiting beliefs. In Ingrid's business, she helps people to achieve their dream goals and desires by smashing through limiting beliefs, both those beliefs that we know about and the subconscious beliefs that we're yet to discover. Ingrid's going to talk in this episode all about what they look like, how to identify them and what we can do to overcome them. Most importantly, Ingrid comes from a background of having had to work through her own limiting beliefs. From somebody who believes she wasn't smart enough to someone who has multiple qualifications and degrees, she's going to share with you a little of her journey as well. I know that this episode is going to be very powerful for you if you've seen a pattern maybe in your business life, your career life, your family life, and even your relationships, and you know that there is something there that you need to be uh, more aware of, maybe even to smash through and work through, and you want the help to do that, this beautiful woman is exactly the person that you need to hear from today. So without any further ado, I'm going to introduce you to the beautiful, wonderful Ingrid Lockwood. Tune on in and enjoy the episode. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back into the Direct Selling Accelerator podcast. Today, I'm joined by an absolutely beautiful human being and a beautiful friend, uh, Ingrid Lockwood. Welcome on in, Ingrid. Thank you so much for having me, Sam, and it's just always a pleasure to talk to you because you're a good friend, and I love you. (laughs) What I think is hilarious, too, aside from the fact that I get to have a chat with a friend here, and this could go you know, let's face it, you and I, when we get talking, this could go on for hours. So we're going to have to really, you know, focus and (laughs) but what I'm really, uh, I think is really funny is you're a fellow Tasmanian and yet we're doing this interview. You're not in Tasmania right now. (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm in Sydney. I spent 25 years in Sydney. Absolutely Mm. loved it. Missed the weather, but I married a man who loves Tasmania and that's why I'm there. Yes. And you've got a beautiful corner down, right down south, um, almost as far south as you can go, right? That's right. And Mm -hmm. we we quip that the next stop is Antarctica and it really does feel that way when that (laughs) breeze comes up because it's cold. Yeah, absolutely. I hear it's really warm in Sydney right now, actually. I just spoke to somebody else who said it's in the high 20s and I thought, whoa, that's like middle of summer here. Crazy weather. I know. The Tasmanians, when I first got down to Tasmania, it was 22 degrees. I was in Huonville and um, the lady in the shop, she said, oh, how are you finding the heat? And I went, (laughs) it's a very Tasmanian thing to say. And go, oh, this isn't hot. This is just normal. (laughs) 
Yeah, us Tasmanians have no idea, do we? Um, We're not here to talk about the weather. We're here to talk about you, Ingrid, and uh, I am really excited for this conversation. I think this is very timely, and I know a lot of our listeners are going to really appreciate um, a lot of the value that you're going to be able to to give them today. So before we get into it, though, um, can you tell everyone a little bit about Ingrid? I know Ingrid, but our listeners don't know Ingrid. So would you like to share a little bit about you? Sure. So I'm Ingrid Lockwood. That's my last name. Think of lock and wood together. And I have walked a journey of personal transformation where I've had to address quite a lot of behaviours that were damaging to my relationships. And I've discovered a lot of things. And um, the underneath it all I've discovered that I had some really limiting beliefs and so this is what we're going to talk about today so um, I decided that you know because I'm an empath and I just I just love people I I I love their stories and at one point in time I I you know thought oh wouldn't it be great to publish a book and photograph these beautiful faces and tell their stories I never got to that but in a way what I'm doing now is doing that is is really touching people in their lives and their stories and helping them get over the hurdles so I've turned that into a business called Let's Flourish Training and um, it's just so much fun because I get to talk to people all day long. I love that and talking to people is definitely one of your super skills I know that both both the talking part but also the the being able to get out of people the stuff that others might really struggle to get out of them which I think is beautiful but let's talk a little bit about limiting beliefs because this is why you're here today and I know it's one of the things that many 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 of the people I've worked with over the years have been somewhat aware that they have but unaware of how to identify them but also how to overcome them. So let's start with, Ingrid, can you tell us a little bit about what is a limiting belief? Well, that's a very good question. So a limiting belief is a set of thoughts and understandings that we live out of and they shape our lives and are entwined with how we act, our decisions, our behaviours and our values. So that's what a belief is. So to give you an example, I have a very strong family value and I, that means I prioritise um, family in my life. And mm-hmm. because my family is, uh, well, my originating family, my dad and my mum all live in New Zealand and my siblings as well and their, their kids, I, because my, my value is, um, family I'm acting out of that so you can see that there's a belief that family is is really really important and the value also is entwined in that so I reckon going back to New Zealand we've spent about $45,000 as a family going back every year to go and spend Christmas or or time with them so that's that gives you an example of what a belief is coupled with a value Mm -hmm. so I'm very aware that we have uh, different sets of beliefs. You know, you've got both beliefs that we are consciously thinking and we've got beliefs that we are unconsciously thinking. Um, The conscious beliefs are the slightly easier ones to identify and work with. But can you talk a little bit about the difference between, I guess, an intentional or an unintentional or a conscious or an unconscious belief? Sure. So we'll start with the intentional belief. So an intentional belief is a set of values that we've thought about, 
that we've put some time and effort to uh, craft and then that sort of shapes our behaviour out of that. So you can think of, let's say, volunteerism. So mm-hmm. if volunteerism is a belief that someone has, then they will volunteer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is something that they have intentionally thought about and put action to. It's the subconscious um, beliefs that really catches out and they're the ones that I really want to focus in on with with the training that I do and and the bus- the business and what, basically what I'm about. So to give you an idea of an un- subconscious belief, sorry, trying to get my words out there. <laughs> I'm a choleric personality type, so I'm a choleric melancholy. Um, using that sort of language, so in the disc profile, I think it's dis a, a high D and a high I, but I'm actually a higher I than a D. So my sister, my older sister, she got a little um, upset with me at one point and she caught me unawares and she said, Ingrid, you just always think you're right. And I went, that's because I am. (laughs) (laughs) You sound like my husband. (laughs) And your sister sounds like me. (laughs) (laughs) Because clerics always think they're right. So I, you know, thankfully I held my temper. I was a little embarrassed because it was in the in a restaurant. <laughs> anyway, two years later I'm thinking about it and I thought, actually, bugger, she's right. <laughs> <laughs> so what then happens, the behaviour out of that for me and for the others that I'm relating to is that um, – they find it hard to persuade me from my own belief and my own decision-making into another way. Um, What they aren't uh, aware of is that I often put my own decision-making and desires aside and follow what they're doing. But nonetheless, she was right. And this was an overarching um, belief and and behaviour set that I was acting out of and responding out of that I thought, oh, wow, that. I was totally unaware of it, just totally unaware. So that is a subconscious belief that I'm right. (laughs) So let's talk about um, how do we actually, is there a way for us to identify those beliefs we have that we haven't intentionally placed there? So to give you an example, you know, I think probably a belief that many of our listeners would have, and it's certainly been a belief that I have had. Um, I, I, I think beliefs are something that we, off, we, and you and I have talked about this, that you work on over years. It's not necessarily yes. something that you switch just like that. Yes, they take a lot of time. But a belief that I think uh, gets uncovered by a lot of people, particularly in in the business space, is a belief that I'm not worthy of the success that I want. It's and yeah. it's not a conscious or intentional belief. Yeah. But how do we how do we identify those? Is there a way to do it, or do you kind of just have to wait for it to surface? Yes to both of those questions. How, how do we do it? So we, we can identify beliefs by watching our behaviour. So I, I don't know why I do this, but I do do it. I sit in the observer role of my, myself and I will, not when I'm in a conversation with someone, but often after. Mm-hmm. Um, or if I'm not the person who's doing most of the speaking and I'm 
listening to the other person. So I'm sitting in that observer role and I watch my behaviors and I watch my reactions. Mm -hmm. So our behaviors and our reactions are a really good predictor that, you know, if, if if we've reacted to something and the, the other person's responded going, Oh, I I wasn't expecting that. Mm. Then that you can sort of pick that up and go, okay, what happened there? So it takes a lot of reflection and and thought and perhaps journaling actually helps. Um, I work with um, Karen and Karen is wonderful with um, mindfulness. She does a lot Mm -hmm. of mindfulness training. Mm -hmm. And mindfulness has been really shown um, to bring from the subconscious to the conscious that hidden information that our soul is aware of but our consciousness isn't mm-hmm. so that's so that there's two things so mindfulness and also watching your um, reactions that's a very very good one some of the some of the other things you could do is um talk to your sister <laughs> <laughs> family actually um uh, I think I've come to learn, come to realize, and we've we've done a lot of work actually with the the Enneagram, which is another personality, I guess, analysis tool that helps yeah. you better understand both your personality, but that of those around you and how you interact together. And it's fantastic for those, um, you know, who are in relationships. You know, we Greg and I when we got married. We went through our, you know, our um, pre-marriage counselling and then post-marriage counselling, which was part of the process that um, the the beautiful man that married us did. And one of the things that we had to go through was the Enneagram profiling. And what we actually learned from that is that those people closest to us, usually our partner, but often our family as well, we think that those people are just irritating us all the time <laughs> in actual fact. It's it's their their job to bring forth many of those things that we need to deal with that we haven't dealt with yet, and That's we right. get resentful and angry at them. But often they're surfacing things that that you know we've been pushing down, pushing down, pushing down, and yeah. guaranteed. And and we you and I can probably both see this now because we've both been you know in uh, we're we're both married you know a second time, so we see those relationship patterns, and um, I noticed that. A lot of the things that you dis- discard someone for, I suppose, like you push them away for, will come back through somebody else if you don't deal with those things. And it doesn't, you know, it's it's very interesting. And I like what you say about observing your behaviours with other people because I think there's a lot to be said for that. We often blame everyone else for the way we feel, but that self-awareness, which is a practice and it's hard, um, yes. is uh, is really powerful. Yeah, talk to your sister. I like that one. <laughs> so a um, couple of things there. Having a growth mindset is, is really, really powerful. Having a fixed mindset, which is the opposite to a growth mindset, um, a fixed mindset will say, no, no, I'm right, you're wrong, I'm not listening. That's the kind of... Um, fixed mindset, whereas a growth mindset will will say, oh, okay, so I've had some feedback on who I am as a person. Now let's let's speak into that for a second. No mm-hmm. one likes that. No one no. at all. No <laughs> one likes being told, oh, you're this or you're that. And if we react in defensiveness and things like that, then we've probably identified a fixed mindset, which is a belief mm-hmm. that, that I'm okay. But a growth mindset, um, someone with that will, will take that um, criticism on board and go, okay, so 
is that true? Is that their yeah. issue? Is that my issue? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, that's a really that. Yeah, we can talk about that another time. In fact, I'm, I'm doing a workshop, a free workshop on that in a couple of months or in a couple of weeks on that. But some other symptoms, their symptoms, it's a good word for it, um, where we can identify that there may be a belief there is are we, are we having arguments? Is there repeated damage to relationships, which you've mentioned? You know, repeated patterns in a relationship. Do you feel like someone's attacking you? That's, mm. that's another feeling that we might have. It may not be a reaction, but it might be a feeling we have, oh, you're attacking me. We may not put words to that, but um, it's something we are uh, feeling. Angry outbursts, ghosting someone. So, you know, I do run a course called How to Fight and Both Win, and um, they talk about, they talk about well, I talk about in that, you know, what's what's your conflict style? Do you Do you go to violence, which is your verbal thing? That's me. That's that's the way I respond. Um, if I'm pushed enough, or or going to silence. So mm-hmm. ghosting someone is is one of that conflict style. Defensiveness is another symptom that there is a a fixed mindset there, or or a belief, or something like that. In you know the other things that you can look out for are. Um, you know, if there's something that's happened, what's the internal dialogue that we are repeating in our mind? Mm. So I'm a big one for that. So if I'm upset about something and I've had a sleepless night, I will replay in my mind what I want to say to that person. Oh, my that God. That tells me there is a trigger there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so those are all symptoms that a belief could be lurking mm. in the background. Right. I, I actually bring up a, a memory. I remember when I was um, in my late teens and we, we used to live uh, a good 15 to 20K out of town. I was in a small country town in South Australia. And I remember one day I was so angry with something that my dad had said that um, I asked him to just let me out of the car 12Ks away from home, keeping in mind that I was not a very fit person and I'd never walked more than 1K that I could recall in my lifetime. I'm sure I had, but I got him to let me out of the car about 12Ks from home. And I remember the entire way I walked the whole 12K talking to nobody, literally saying all the things that I wanted to say in that moment for 12 kilometres. And I yabbered and yabbered and yabbered and yabbered all the way home. <laughs> and I still yeah. recall this thinking at the time, man, I wish I'd said all of that actually yes. at the time. Yes. Um, but I think we all do that. Yeah, I, yes. I totally hear you there. You actually bring up though another question that I want to ask you, and that is what's the difference between, and is there such a thing as a difference between a belief and a limiting belief? What's a limiting belief? Okay. And... Why is it important that we identify these things in our lives? Good question. So a limiting belief is a belief that stops us achieving our goal and they are the ones that sit subconsciously underneath. Mm-hmm. So it could be a fear, maybe a fear of technology, you know. you know, mm-hmm. I had that as well. I was in London for a, a few years and they popped me on a Mac and I went, oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. But, you know, this was when DOS code, you had to put the DOS code in. This is years ago. Oh, yeah. So now Macs, I'm on a Mac now and I love it. <laughs> so a limiting belief is um, one that r- robs us of our future for, you know, like there might be a desire. So here's a great example which I use in my training. Let's just say Cara um, has had a number of relationships with men and she's 
either they've broken it off or she's broken it off. She's come out with that belief going, they're all idiots. All men are idiots. Right? Now, for a while, I, some a of, few of our agree. listeners are agreeing with you right now. I can yeah. just feel it. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sorry, but her, underneath everything, her really long-held desire is to get married mm-hmm. and to have children. Um, and that's pretty hard to do on your own, as many single mums would go, yes, it is. Yeah. Um, so her her goal is to get married and have a family. That is a desire that's very deeply held. But mm-hmm. her limiting belief that all men are idiots will then rob her of achieving that goal. Yep. So when she next go out, goes out, um, Kara is talking to a man and, you know, she's giving off a bit of tone and a little bit of facial expression, which we can all pick up on, and the man sort of exits the, um, the conversation quickly and she's kind of going, well, Kind of what happened because that limiting belief sits in our subconscious, which we've discussed, and because we believe it, it then mm. becomes our personal truth, and we act out of that, yeah. whether we want to or not. Mm-hmm. So that is a limiting belief. We often have positive beliefs. So I was, um, I had a learning challenge when I was in primary school. And um, I'm a left-hander, so I do um, all my writing with my left hand, but everything else I do with my right. Mm-hmm. So I really struggled um, in in life, and I felt like uh, so my limiting belief out of that was I'm not smart, mm-hmm. and I'm not smart enough to do this job, or you know, to achieve the goals that I want, or even to get married to the man. So why would anybody want to marry me? You know, I'm not smart. That was mm-hmm. that was my belief as a yep. young, you know, young adult and, and so forth. And I I then um, acted out of that whole thing. So that was really limiting me. And the good thing is that as, a, you know, long story short, because we don't have all afternoon, as I said, as you said, we could chat for hours. But out of that belief, I did a lot of research and I discovered that I was using both sides of my brain. Mm-hmm. So now my positive belief is, and there was there's lots to that journey and I share that a lot in my training courses, <laughs> but now I believe, I know that I'm using both sides of the brain. So when I come into, and I've done this all my life, all my working life, so I, I come up with really creative solutions and if there's a hurdle, it's just a hurdle. It's not something that's going to stop us and we can get around it. There's always an answer. And so this is my, I, I've just come to understand and believe that because I'm using both sides of the brain, I'm coming up, I've got, that's a gift and mm-hmm. that is going to create a um an answer when others perhaps couldn't find that answer. Mm. So that's that's a positive belief. Has yeah. that kind of answered your question? Yeah, it does. Um, and I, I just want to talk about truth and belief for a moment as well because there there's a difference between things that we know are a truth and certainly a belief becomes our truth in, in a sense. But what? how do we work out the difference between something that we believe to be the truth that perhaps isn't yeah. 
choose something that is a truth. So, for example, I know it is a truth that I am not, I do not have the ability to fly a plane. Um, but it is a belief that uh, I don't read fast enough. So my, and that's a very loose example, but I think, you know, where I'm going with this, how do we identify the difference between something that's a truth versus something that's a belief that perhaps we ourselves have formed, even if we didn't consciously do it? Okay. So let me, so you, you have a belief that you can't read fast or you have a belief that you can't? I'm just throwing an example out there. Well, actually it is kind of a truth. I believe that, um, uh, I I was talking to you before about superpowers and one of the superpowers I would love to have is to be a speed reader because I feel like I'm a slow reader when it comes to, um, anything that grows me, unless it's a story, I can churn through a story real quick, but when it comes to something I've got to concentrate on and read. I think I'm a slow reader. Now, I know, I know that that is a belief that I have, you know, potentially created myself, not necessarily a truth. But yes, that that was the statement I made. But I'm throwing it out there. I think you know where I'm going with this. Yeah. So you've hit on a number of really interesting um, topics. So I'll just address one. And that is when you have something that you really love. Mm-hmm. You have this intrinsic motivation, in, which is internal motivation, where you go, oh, wow, I'm just going to devour this, and you yep. can speed through it. But mm-hmm. when, we, um, when we have information, you know, just using the reading example, mm-hmm. information put in front of us that might be technical or there's new concepts or there's new language that we um, aren't familiar with, it's mm-hmm. quite normal to... Um, read two, three, four times. I, mm-hmm. I, when I did my degree in journalism communication years and years ago, I had to read it four or five times because this was information that was completely foreign to me. Yep. So, there, so there's a little bit of confusion around belief and behaviour there. And so that's mm. why I do like to spend some time just really unpacking what is a, actually a belief and what is actually a behaviour. Ah, so yes. a behaviour... Um, is in this circumstance the speed of your reading but sitting underneath that would be a deeper belief um, which would um, is springing up in this form Um, if you think of a a root and a flower um, the flower or or the the ivy poison ivy if it's a negative one but the flower pops up and that's the fruit of the root Mm-hmm. So the root, we've got to get to where you know what is that belief. So you're you're mm-hmm. talking about as an example reading, speed reading, but sitting underneath that would be a belief of some sort. And so yeah. using the mindfulness techniques and just slowing down our thinking, listening to your dreams is a fantastic way mm-hmm. of um, being. In, touch with your subconscious but we'd have to do a little bit of work there to mm-hmm. unpack that to really get to that root of what that belief is <laughs> you you've got me laughing because there's uh, we we talk a lot about dreams at home <laughs> so there is some my dreams are the source of many laughs in our household <laughs> so I think there'd be a lot of unpacking <laughs> that would need to be done of some of those from time to time <laughs> yeah yeah 
Happens so, to do that at any time. I love dreams. I dream a lot do too. Do you really? Yeah, okay. We could have some good laughs about that, Ingrid. That'll be the source of many fun conversations, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> but for those that, you know, let's talk about that for a little sec. This is what I mean by our conversations could go off on any tangent. But dreams are something that, um, well, let's talk about dreams for a little second. How do dreams show us things? What do dreams mean? What are they? What's our brain doing? Um, dreams are fascinating and they are a whole language unto themselves. And I've learned that I, ha- I have to uh, learn the dream language um, that I have. So mm-hmm. dreams, I- I'm not quite sure what's happening with our brain, but what I can tell you is that dreams are our conscious, our subconscious bringing to our consciousness. If we learn to read the language, to read and understand the language. Mm-hmm. That's really the key. So yeah. some, um, so in my dreams, if I dream of a person or an individual, let's just say a childhood friend, because that this friend was a, chi- um, a, a friend in childhood, um, I know that the dream is locating me back to that time. Mm-hmm. Um, driving a vehicle, an automobile or something like that um, is, um, you know, if we're the driver, then we are we, we are in control of the situation. And sometimes that's good and sometimes that's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's a passenger in the dream, so like I had a dream about Karen and I was driving and she was my passenger. Now, you'll meet Karen if you do one of my courses mm-hmm. um, and she's the mindfulness expert. And out of that dream came this conversation that um, we should do this joint venture together and do this okay. course together and train. Yeah. Um, so very, very powerful. And there was just such a beautiful synergy between what she offers and what I offer. Mm-hmm. So that's a good idea. Um, colours are important, flowers and animals and um, trees, sea, ocean, roads, all that. So if you're out on, if you're dreaming that you're out on a country road, then that's quite significant. Um and and different there's a different meaning than um if you are driving in a city for example the names of of people the names of places are also significant there's so much to it i i could just do a whole podcast just in unpacking dreams (laughs) i think that'd be a fascinating thing to talk about for sure and one of the things that that i've been made aware of over the years too and, and and like what you said is that dreams are actually our way of our brain processing things that have happened through, potentially throughout our day or yeah. things that are yet to be processed. It's almost like it, catalog- it catalogs things um, into locations and, and sort of processes them or brings up things that we haven't processed um, while we're yeah. sleeping. And so one of the things that I was told to do, because you know how you sometimes wake up with a dream yeah. You can remember it for a split second, but then as time goes on, it kind of jumbles and you can't really piece it all together yeah. again. There yeah. are very few dreams that I've had over the years that are vivid. Most of them are very, they don't make a lot of sense and and you only remember them for a short period. And for that reason, I was told it's a really good thing to, when you wake up quickly, jot down what you remember, yes. even if it doesn't make sense, um, yeah. because it'll help you to potentially process or unpack some of that stuff that you haven't been able to consciously true. Uh, process. That's so, so true. I People often say to me, well, I, I don't dream. And I say, well, you probably do. You just don't remember them. Yeah. Um, because 
and also, you know, I also say we have toilet dreams. So it's when our body is needing to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and we're coming through that deep sleep state mm-hmm. into our consciousness and yeah. we have this chatter going on in our head. That's yes. that's our body um, saying you need to get up and go to the bathroom. Um, yeah. So I don't take too much notice of those because they can be sentences Mm-hmm. Does that sentences and dreams so but in the morning it's the ones in the early morning where I'm just coming to consciousness just like you've said and if I don't write them down on my phone straight away they're gone they're gone yeah uh, which is a shame because it's there's so much richness and gold yeah. in the dreams and I had one this morning actually I wrote it down um the the thing is with putting it on your phone is that it can auto correct so you can get these oh. really weird words you know I go what well, was that word I tried to write down yet <laughs> I, I had a, a very uh, actually funny story about autocorrect. I um I'm the worst person ever for not reading a <laughs> message or an email or something before I send it. And uh, I write, I go, I write, I go, I write, I go. Yeah. I'm constantly on the move. And so if you ever read a message from me, expect that there will be a strangely <laughs> autocorrected word in there. And I actually sent a picture of there's a part of my garden that I'm really stumped with. I don't know what to do with with it right now to tidy it up. So I took a photo of it and I sent it to my mum and my sister and I said, um, guys, my garden is a mess and I really um, would love uh, your opinions on how I could, you know, ideas on how I could fix this area. And my mum writes back, you know, you have to go back and reread your message to understand what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. writes back, um, perhaps you could start by by not calling it Jess. It probably doesn't like that. <laughs> so I went back to my message and yes, realised yes. I said, my garden is a Jess. <laughs> For goodness sakes! Oh, so, um, stories. Yeah, yeah, I hear you with autocorrect. I, I feel, I feel like that's you know the the story of my life. But yes, um, writing them down. I actually think writing it in a in a notebook or something is better than on your phone anyway. Um, yeah, because right. it's number one easier to get back to and find. But there's something about pen to paper, especially. Yeah. I don't, I don't like having my phone next to my bed. A lot of our podcast mm-hmm. listeners have heard me talk about this. Yeah, and I think if you're going to write down about your dreams, you you need to do it the second you wake up, or you will yes, literally the second you, you go to do yeah. anything else, you start to lose bids. Yeah, one thing I want to say in there is that if any of your listeners have any really vivid dreams that are scary, mm-hmm. the dream language is vivid, but it doesn't mean you know, like for example, I dreamt once that. Um, there was a tsunami came through and washed away my car and I couldn't get home and mm. and so forth. It didn't mean a tsunami was coming because <laughs> you've just got to remember, this is just a note to for the listeners, yeah. if you have dreams like that where someone dies, for example. So I dreamt years and years and years before my mum died. Um, she died in 2020 at the age of 89. Um, so I was in my 30s, so this is, what, 30, 20 years ago, mm. I dreamed that um, she died in a car accident and it really bothered me for years and this was well before I uh, met the lady, Carly, who introduced me to dream language and, you know, I was quite distressed about it And but then I realised that it's just a symbol. So when someone dies in a dream or there's something that's quite, you know, 
abrupt like that, it does not mean that that person's going to die or that a tsunami is going to come through mm-hmm. or that the house is going to get washed away. It's a it's a symbol. Um, actually, a dream that I have a lot, a big recurring one for me, is super scary. Yeah, really, really scary. Um, and that is that I go away on a trip and I forgot everything. I have nothing with me. No okay. luggage. I left it at home. I I went in a, a rush, and I accidentally left everything at home. Um, that is a constant recurring scary dream for me. That's that's almost so the, the, the scary dream. Dreams are really really interesting, and that is your subconscious trying to get your attention. So um, forget things. <laughs> <laughs> so um, with that, what would I say about recurring dreams? Write them down. Mm-hmm. But I would say that that is your subconscious telling you there's some sort of fear there. So coming back to beliefs that there's a there's a belief in there or a fear in there that needs to is saying I I need I need attention. Can you please pay attention to me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that would make perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I do have a, a big fear of forgetting things. That's why um, I overpack everywhere I go. And anyone that knows um, me knows how badly we overpack. Anyway, well, there's a there's a, a, a thing right there that's a belief right there, I think, that's, a you know, definitely a limiting belief. It, it limits me in finances every time I travel because I have to spend more on excess baggage. But yes. let's get back to this. I want to talk to you a little bit about the neural change method. Um, can you tell us what it is and how this works? Sure. So the neural change method is a suite of tools, I call them tools, that um, I'm now a qualified, certified uh, practitioner in mm-hmm. and um, they are evidence-based. So it's the neural change method is a brand name, um, mm-hmm. but what that all means is that it is evidence-based, scientifically backed research that they've put together and they've crafted these tools. So I've pulled out one, and that is just the area of beliefs. Yep. So there's um, a set of um, actions that can be taken, um, which is all scientifically proven. So this is about 20 to maybe 30 years' worth of research, um, psychological research behind this. And so they have proven time and time again that if you identify a belief and take tiny, 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 tiny little incremental changes – along a pathway towards your goal, you will change that belief. So our subconscious beliefs are really um, very stubborn and very hard because they're so ingrained with who we are. Mm. Um, And as I said before, with our values and our goals, that they are really quite hard to change. But they can be changed if we put our mind to it. And what we've what I've discovered as I've applied this to my life is um, I can even change habits as well yeah. using the this same is my next question. Mm. Yeah. So I've got a, a funny little story. Um, I, I, I got into a habit years ago um, where when I was cooking, I would have a glass of wine or two. And, you know, I was in my 20s. My kids were young and stuff like that. I'd have it maybe two or three times a week, something like that. Um, over the years, that um, wine had an effect on my body and the health effects were that I wasn't sleeping well and um, during COVID, I was drinking too much 
as many did in lockdown. Say, just join, join, yeah, join the club. I join think that's everybody did over COVID. There was nothing else to do. <laughs> nothing else to do except <laughs> watch TV and drink wine, which is a yeah, really yeah. bad habit. Yeah. <laughs> and eat things, um, but yeah. <laughs> so I, um, I had, I've had a, a desire to cut back on my wine consumption for many, many years, and I didn't really, I, I just, I, I like the taste of wine, and. Um, you know, I would I would find that I would have one, two, and then because I switched to a preservative-free one, I had three, four glasses, which is not good for my health, and my sleep was affected and so forth. And mm. so I use the neural change method to really nail that. So I've actually come right off wine altogether. I've switched to gin. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I mean, we just sometimes oh. Oh dear. A little glass of gin yeah. every now and then. <laughs> but I really don't like the taste of gin as much as I like the taste of wine. So what I found is that I'm drinking way less and I'm really happy to just not drink during the week. So I've used the neural change method to really nail a habit that has been persistent for years and years and years. So it works. Okay. So, uh, so people can use this both for habits, but also for beliefs. Yes. Now, I just want to come back to the effect beliefs have, because I don't think we really honed in on this. You know, this is something that um, you and I have both um, in different ways with different, um, in different journeys have done a lot of work on over the years, but beliefs impact and they're things that you know we've developed over years like you said subconsciously most of the time sometimes consciously but beliefs don't just impact us they impact our relationships very true they impact also and I know this from my experience our our business or our job or our success as well and they tend to result in would you say self-sabotage a lot of the time you know we talk about self-sabotage and 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 when we talk about self-sabotaging that's not a conscious action that's a subconscious action taken because we believe something that may or may not be true about ourselves or the people of the world around us yeah you know is there any anything else that beliefs can impact or any other great reason why we really do need to pay attention? Because it's pretty easy to kind of go through life and say, you know what, I'm just going to keep going as I'm going because it's a lot easier. Let's face it, it's a lot easier to not address these things, right? It's hard work dealing with them. So why would we go to the effort of actually dealing with this stuff? Well, that's a very good question. And as my course participants um, understand is they don't have to. They don't have Mm. to address their beliefs if they don't want to. So it really comes back to what they really, really want in life. And that's mm. the key, is what it, what are those um, deep-held um, goals and desires mm. that someone has that have, you know, never really achieved them? They yep. are the reason. Um, because what the evidence-based um research has found is that when we achieve our goals those deep held goals and desires there's a sense of uh, wellness and wholeness Mm. that comes to our soul I call it our soul which then affects our behavior and there's a calmness that comes upon us 
yeah. um, that we know we're okay. So, yeah. you know, one of the questions you, you you flipped me and said, okay, what what would be the question you would say to your younger self? And I would say, here's my answer. I'd say, get a grip, girl. You turn out all right. <laughs> so as a child, because I was sitting under this belief that I wasn't intelligent and I had no smarts and I certainly wasn't as intelligent as my older sister, that's what my mum said, um, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I had a really uh, a battle with my self-esteem and I, mm. I am so glad that I addressed that because I had behaviours that were coming out of that that were aggressive and were damaging my relationships. And my core um, desire and goal is to have really wholesome, healthy relationships. So my self-belief that I wasn't smart created this aggression and, you know, I'm going to reject you before you reject me sort of behaviour that walked me away from and self-sabotage. That's exactly Mm -hmm. right. It was a self-sabotaging thing. So, it it really does come back to those desires. What are what's your dream self? What what you know in three years time? What how do you see yourself? What would you you know if you waved a magic wand? What would your life look like in three yeah. years time? So um, this you know is a really good reminder for me too that um, you know this is not just it, it, you know a really good way of thinking of this. Sorry, um, get my words out in a minute is, you know, is your internal desire congruent with your outer reality? And, you know, one of the the things that I know I grappled with when I started going on this journey um, and well, probably about seven years ago now was, you know, I rang my my coach and I said, I don't understand why I feel like I have this glass ceiling above me mm-hmm. that I just keep smashing up against and yet I have this desire to be up here doing this other thing. And I feel like I just can't get past this point. And she said, aha, (laughs) she said, you've got some limiting beliefs that you need to deal with. And until you deal with them, you're never going to get past this point. Meaning that, you know, your internal desire, which is there for a reason, actually needs you to address some stuff in order for that to become your reality. Yeah, And I don't believe it's a matter of, and you might correct me on this, but I don't believe it's a matter of, great, I smashed that ceiling and then the rest is just all there to be had. Sure. It's you get through this ceiling and there's another one a little bit above it. <laughs> you got to smash through that one. There's another one a little bit above it. There's you. Yeah. It's like I like to call it peeling an onion. I talk about That's this a little bit, but it's like peeling. I think you and I have had the conversation about the onion. In fact, I think the last time I had the conversation with you, I was really angry and upset and crying and saying, I'm sick of peeling the onion. <laughs> Miracles. Something human. Yeah. Onion peeling can cause a lot of tears yes, and frustration, it but it's also got a lot of reward with it too. Yeah, it really, really does. And it, it does come back to that real core desire in people's mm. lives. So we we do that and that's why um, it's so wonderful to have Karen with me um, in this course coming up in January because um, – you know, it's it's just going it, to, it comes back to the heart. What's in your heart for your future? And what are the hurdles in the way that are stopping you get to your, your, your goal? Yeah. 
And, you know, if, if it's those beliefs, then, oh, my golly, it's so worth the effort to mm. put in and the work that it takes. And t- to be honest, it's not really, it's not that hard. Um, it's, it, we've just got to be mindful and it's just got to, we've just, it's just just got to be a focus so just yeah. like with with me and you know wanting to cut back on the drinking of the wine i realized that there was a couple of triggers during the day and if i started thinking in the morning so like if i play golf so if i went out and you know someone annoyed me on the golf course um which doesn't happen very often or something happened around that um and i started because I play golf in the morning and I started thinking, oh, it would be really nice to have a glass of wine when I get home. I found it very hard to not have a glass of wine. So I realised that I needed to address that thought before it had legs. Mm -hmm. And the other little key thing that I did was I delayed having, and so this is behaviour, right? So we're we're dealing with a habit, but it's the same methodology um, that we used to address a belief Mm -hmm. so this i realized that if i delayed having a glass of wine until after i ate my meal then i it i only drank half the glass was astonishing so i've been able to achieve my goals in tiny little increments and it Mm -hmm. hasn't been that hard yeah yeah so for those that want to find out a little bit more about, uh, I know that you've got some, um, you know, some free resources that people can um, uh, be a part yeah. of to find out a little bit more about you. I know that you've got a group people can join as well. And, yes. of course, you do have your course coming up early next year as well. How can our listeners find out a little bit more about how they can connect with you, Ingrid, and, you know, address some of these limiting beliefs if they're sort of fist pumping the air right now going, I need that. How do they get in touch with you? Okay. The easiest way would be to text me. Um, so my name is Ingrid Lockwood and my phone number is 0407-897-630. And if they text me using your name, Sam Hind, then for your first two people that come through, they're going to get a really great offer and a really great gift i've got some so the other way that they can get in contact with me is to look me up on facebook and Mm -hmm. just friend me send send a note and just put your name samantha hind and then i'll know and i'll link it with that so the first two people that do that and contact me that either through facebook or on the mobile phone they're going to get this amazing gift that i've set up just for your listeners I've got a Facebook group and my Facebook group is specifically for um, a particular type of person who wants to grow. So I'm really happy for them to come in and join that, but they've got to contact me first on Facebook. Um, I have a free training coming up and that will be after the 15th of November and we mm-hmm. will look at um, two core beliefs that we um, two core behaviours or mindsets that are grounded in a belief um, and we'll look at ways in which we can change those. And I like to wrap in quite a bit of fun in my training as well. So there'll be some free gifts at the back end of that. So the best way to find out and to link to that free training is to contact me via Facebook or via my mobile texting me. Awesome. 
Awesome, awesome. So we'll put um, the details of that in our show notes, of course, and that's really generous of you, Ingrid. I would just encourage people um, to yeah do a little reach out uh, to Ingrid, uh, whether that's through Facebook or, of course, through uh, contacting her mobile number. We'll put them in the show notes for you guys. Now, just some fun questions really quickly, Ingrid, as we wrap up, because like I said, there are so many different tangents we could go off on and talk about today, but we're going to try and keep this succinct because um, our listeners have, of course, got to get on with their day. They're probably listening to us chat as they're on their way to work or on their way home right now. But um, tell me, what is your favourite book for our Accelerator book list or one of your favourite books? Okay, so definitely that dream book. I use that regularly, so I'll give you that. But the one that's really been most impacting to me is John Maxwell's 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. That is a brilliant book. It was it was on the New York bestseller list for many, many years. Uh, that one is an absolute ripper, particularly for people that are leading teams or even just for mum and dad at home. I found yep. that really, really great. So that's my that's my pick. Awesome. And if you could have a superpower, any superpower, what would that be and why? Oh, that's a toughie because uh, I feel like what I'm doing now is my superpower. My business coach calls it superpower. I call it a genius zone. But if I, if, if I was to move outside of that, I would probably say if I had a superpower, um, power it would be that I could fly um, like those uh, flyers on Star Trek you know oh <laughs> I, used to I just loved it yep. as a kid yeah I'd love to do that yeah. I love it. I love how creative people get with these two. We've had some fun ones. Uh, actually, someone said to me the other day that they'd like to read other people's thoughts. I was like, oh, I think that would be terrible. He said, no, 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 you, you can pick and choose which thoughts you read. And I was like, oh, you'd want to, wouldn't you? Goodness. Um, so your favourite quote, Ingrid? Beam me up, Scotty, from Star Trek. <laughs> I love it. So good. And uh, we've already heard the final one, and that was uh, if you could go back in time and say one thing to your past self, what would that be? Do you want to repeat what you said? Sure. I would say to my six- or seven-year-old self, I'd give her a hug first and say, get a grip, girl, you turn out all right. (laughs) I love that. I think all of our listeners could use that one. I know I certainly could too. You know, it's a... That's a powerful one. So, look, uh, Ingrid, I'm going to say thank you so much for jumping on in and joining us. It's been such um, uh, such a blessing to be able to chat with you again. I love our conversations, but I think it's um, even more of a blessing that you've been able to come and share some of your beautiful knowledge and your heart with our listeners as well. So thank you for taking the time out of your trip to Sydney to do this with us. Not a problem. It's been a pleasure. I just love talking to you, Sam. So it's so easy. All right. Well, thank you again so much. And uh, also thank you to our beautiful listeners for tuning in again this week. Uh, We really appreciate you guys. Don't forget, of course, if you want to connect with us, you can join our free Facebook group, which is Social Media for Direct Sellers with Greg and Sam. We've got some amazing free resources in there that we'd love to share with you. Um, And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on YouTube or whatever uh, podcast channel that you use so you don't miss out on any of our upcoming episodes. But take care of yourselves. Lots of blessings to you. And we will see you on the podcast again next week. That's it from us. Bye for now. If you love this video and you would love more help to improve your direct selling business on social media, then click on the link to join our Facebook group. I look forward to seeing you in there.